This is Multinew Media. Hi, everyone. I'm Chase Raz, and Chris Ayers is with me here. How's it going? It's going well. How's it going with you? I thought you were just going to say hi. Hi. No, not like that. Like a, a big hi, like, hi, everyone, blah, 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 you know, something, what you're up to. Hi, everyone. It's Chris. <laughs> well, How's it going? Yeah. This isn't a dating podcast. Um, so he, here's what we're up to, right? Speaking of what you're up to, we're both up to continually learning. We are realizing, meaning we've pretty much always known, that life is not a um, spectator sport. and You have to get in, get your hands dirty, and constantly be learning. And so we thought we'd just check in with everyone as my uh, my monitors kick out and I can't hear my own voice, which is actually a nice thing. But we <laughs> thought we'd check in with everybody and let you know what we're working on and then have you get in touch with us through our email, feedback at multinewmedia.com or on the site, click on the episode 74 page. Let us know what direction you're taking your continuing education. But Chris, uh, let's start at the the very beginning. Why is it that in business and in technology, we're constantly having to refresh our skill set? And I don't mean that you're going to come back to me and tell me because the world's constantly moving on. Why is it that the world is constantly moving on and that those of us who think we're going to hit some pinnacle of, of perfection someday, why do we need to realize we're wrong and that's just not the way things are? Well, we did it to ourselves. How so? Oh, come on. Developers did this to themselves. Developers always want to work on the latest and greatest, right? Mm-hmm. So a new framework comes out. Oh, got to learn Angular. Oh, wait, no, I got to learn React. Oh, how about um, Aurelia? We should work on that. Hey, look, there's a new language over here. Let, let's do that. New framework, new new library. So part of it, by pushing these things, we, we've done it to ourselves, but... Um, Part of it is, I mean, like Chrome. There's a new version every other week. Uh, .NET's moving to a much faster release cycle. Um, you know, new features come out with Java every year. And, and you know, Android uh, has new APIs and new things and new patterns. So do you want to do the stuff from five years ago? And it looks old and different or do you want to stay on the cutting edge with the latest techniques the latest uh you know ui the latest interactions so how much of that is actual advancement so what what i mean is a lot of it is well what it seems like when we talk about frameworks and libraries and we've had shows on that in the past and um from from the other side here, from the business side of things, it looks like one of the things that you programmer types do to be super generic and and mean to everyone and lump, right lump types. you into one category like a lot of managers do. If we're gonna make that fallacy, then let's do it. Are you programmer types? What you do? <coughs> business types. Yeah, is it seems like? Trust me, I'll get to us in a minute. You um, it seems like everybody has an idea for how you can move the ball forward. But these ideas are drastically different, and what never happens on that side of the field, if we're going to you know, be not Oh, I didn't realize there was a silver bullet. No, no. Why? Okay. Why is it <laughs> so, so, everybody's so. framework and library having to push forward? Why don't people say, oh, this is a good one. This really gets somewhere. Let's have okay. consensus and move in that direction. It seems to be there's no consensus. Well, <laughs> okay. So um, why are there different writing styles? 
Oh man, of, like, like style guides because yeah. some of them work for for this certain group, things, yeah, and some of them work for that group. So hey, there's some great libraries, great technologies, really good design, really good use cases. But guess what? They have kind of maybe a focus, or maybe they work great in this instance, and you go learn it, and you try to apply it to a different instance, and doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I guess if you're well. a writer, if you're a writer, you need to know the different styles. You need APA, you need MLA, you need, right? So these are tools in your tool chest. Just because there's a new hammer doesn't mean when you're dealing with screws, you want to go grab the latest hammer. Yeah, but are people now sometimes just like making duck-billed platypus hammers just because they can? No. Um, it might be that they're working in an industry that really needs duckbill platypus hammers and they have made the latest and greatest of those and it works amazing in their industry but then there's cases where um there's some general purpose stuff that works really well and and it's just kind of uh the mindset so maybe you have more you have a more component driven business where, where you're having reusable components uh like ui components and Angular fits in really well with with how your designers work and how your developers work, and so uh, having the you know working towards moving to Angular two four whatever uh, is in line with that because you can continue to get experienced modern developers. You can get uh, resources from you know Google and documentation, and you can find people who are interested in it and working on it, and you don't have a shortage of people. See, that's the other thing about constantly learning and moving forward. There are people learning this stuff, so it's easier to find people working on newer technology sometimes than some of the older ones. I mean, well, it, it, it's a spectrum. So there's a point where if you're working on something that's been around for a while, maybe there's only a certain people working on it, or maybe people are have moved on and it's harder to find them. Yeah, yeah. I mean... So if we're going to keep this artificial split up, like, you know, if, if anyone hasn't picked up on our secret message of this show, it's that in in the 21st century and, and as we move on, I mean, think about this. We're almost a fifth of the way through the 20th, 21st century. As we move through this century, it is not really possible to separate the technology and the business people anymore. You just as a if you're a business person, you have to have that tech skill set. And for the most part, not completely, but if you're a tech person, you pretty much have to have the business skill set. So sorry to let the cat out of the bag. But if we're going to keep this artificial split up and talk about the business people in the room, we do the same thing, Um, especially coming from the research side of it, the academic side of it, or where you get into, let's say, consulting firms. Hey, let's take a step back and look at business people. Do the same marketing techniques that worked 10 years ago work today? Like some of the fundamentals, sure. But do the same ad campaigns, do the same... No, but this is where I would would come up with a difference. This is going to be a slant difference. Don't take me completely here. So let's say you're working with um, DSPs or SSPs for um, advertising. So um, display-side platforms and and supply-side platforms. And you're purchasing or buying ad inventory units, so the the ad space. Um, If that's the case, we typically have... A bunch of companies coming in and their motivations are clear. They're doing it to make the best possible product so that they can make the most amount of money, right? Now, what happens is the market then decides which of these is worthwhile and which is not. And certain companies become large and certain companies become smaller and they move into certain niches. 
But with frameworks, is it that same thing? And the those of us, quote unquote, on the business side, are we not seeing that happen? Or do you not have those type of market forces? Or why does it feel like if I'm on the outside looking in as, as a developer, it feels like um, to me, true, true, true story, me right here, Chase, I feel like someone would say, OK, if you're going to be a UX developer, you have to know these 20 different uh, uh, really so here i'm going to say some names and tell me if you've heard of them or not okay J- just like let's say some frameworks or platformish type things uh, angular mm-hmm. backbone one and two uh, yes right but have you heard about as much as angular no react yeah oh yes lots Drupal. yeah as much as React and Angular? So f- for me, yeah, because remember, I'm a little bit older school. Sure, yeah, yeah, you're Drupal. PHP, but how yeah. about much, as much lately? No. Um, no oh, you know, so, so so it's kind of starting to phase so out. I now see, things are maybe I, phasing in. Right, I see people in that, oh, God, you proved my right. point. See my point? <laughs> like, like, even though you hear all these names, yeah. go look at them. What's in the news? What is being searched for in Stack Overflow? What is being looked for in the hiring stuff? Mm-hmm. What is being actively developed and announced a lot? And what isn't? Things grow. Some are big and general purpose, and they apply across all industries. Others are very niche, and you maybe you hear about it if you're working in a certain industry, and, you, and occasionally it'll get a, a word out elsewhere. Yeah. But outside of that, you maybe never hear of it. The same thing is with technology. So you can kind of target some of the bigger mainstream things and you'll be okay okay that makes sense that makes sense i mean i still have a little bit of unresolved because again on on, where i was going with the business side and academics and research and consulting firms the number of models we create i mean we put everything into quadrants do we not i mean except for maslow's hierarchy and we don't have maslow's hierarchy is a is a as a triangle a pyramid and we, we love those too but not as much as we do uh four quadrant box and there's the four quadrants for everything everything Right, but that is trying to assume they all apply equally. Right, so that's... All the things in the box apply equally to everything, and that's not always the case. Well, and that leads to my next question is, so in business, we get very comfortable looking at all of these boxes with quadrants and their, you know, similar type tools. And some of them we absolutely just roll our eyes at and go, yes, this is a thing now, but it's common. It should be common knowledge to everybody who's over here. So do you have an equivalent where some new platform, framework, library, tool, company, whatever rolls out and you're just like, okay, yeah, that's a thing now and we'll use it. But like, not really. I mean, so what what about React, right? React is just is the same thing, I think. It's the same thing that Angular does. It's the same thing that a lot of these other JavaScript well, there, models do. Well, there's differences. Do, but so, so there are some differences with Angular and React, um, but they're both. It, but they're I preferential. Could say, pick they're, one. They're preferential, like, right? They're 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 yeah. both a trying. They're both trying to accomplish the same skill set for the most part. Yeah, roughly. It's whether you just, want the Google viewpoint or whether you want the Facebook viewpoint. Sure. Yeah. So. I would say pick a one big mainstream thing, Angular, React. Maybe pick one like design language thing if you're kind of going front end, like less or CSS, like SAS. I prefer SAS, but whatever, you know. Um, just just to get a little bit of familiarity, um, you, you know, you can go Bootstrap, you can go whatever, but just. Like you don't have to have this huge swath, but maybe just constantly be aware of what's going on 
Like if I'm a back-end developer, I want to be aware of what's coming with the new version of C-sharp, C-sharp 7. If I was a JavaScript developer, I'd want to be aware of the latest frameworks that have widespread support, so Angular, React. If I was a CSS person, I'd want to be uh, aware of like the CSS3 things like SAS or capabilities in different browsers. Uh, it, it's very focused on your job field. If you're a nurse, they have to have continuing edu- education credits and they have to be aware of new techniques. Same with doctors. Like it, it it's across the board. Well, it should be. Well, the, that's a, the <laughs> one. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of reasons I love being in business. Um, one of the um, low, low hanging fruit selections is because of that. When we do CE on the business side, a lot of times we're not going and doing continuing education on the newest sometimes it's the newest marketing techniques or economics or something like that that you'd associate with with business but a lot of times it's just go out and learn something else go out and learn if you're not in uh, the medical field go learn what they're doing in the medical field to to solve their like their er wait times and then come and apply it to your call center right we get to look out at so many different fields and i I almost look at um, those of you in in programming, whether or in networking, or even on the medical side, right? Let's talk about other disciplines as well. I almost feel bad because you're always locked into having to to work on the same use case all the no, time. We're not. No, we're not. As a developer, I've worked in the military contracting field, and I learned about things specific to the military. When I was in the education field, um, you learn the language of education. You learn the the goals and things of teachers and, and, and the the problems that they face and, and you're trying to solve those. I worked in the legal field and they had a different use case and you had different language to talk about things. I've worked in finance for a little bit. So me, I got to work in completely different domains yeah. and, and saw different perspectives on the problems facing their particular business as well as how they interact with users. So I wasn't working with the same use case. Well, I, know I didn't that, use the same tool. I know that knowing a little bit of tech has helped in all different areas, not just programming, but knowing a little bit of tech has definitely helped me in my business career. Um, has knowing about business um, done the same thing for you in your tech career? Of course, because yeah. me as a senior uh, developer or senior consultant, I have to deal with business people. <laughs> sorry. My product I'm, so, owners, I'm so sorry about that. My product owners are the ones trying to guide, you know, the requirements or what they want the software to do. And sometimes I can be like, well, sure, technically we can do that, but it's not feasible. It's going to be very expensive. Or I know you're really set on this one feature, but have you researched how many people use the feature? Like we could do this thing slightly differently and you get the same benefit and we would have lower cost to implement it. So I can kind of look at it from a business sense a little bit to give them alternatives that make it more efficient or make it maybe have a bigger impact like oh yeah we can enhance notifications and and you know whatever to help drive marketing you know whatever yeah and and then you we've talked about the um some of those topics before as well um just really about how someone in business can get tied to a vision and it's mm-hmm. hard to let that vision evolve and partly it's because one i'm not trying to stereotype us but we do tend to be a little bit more stubborn um people hate doing this breakdown anymore but stubborn type a personalities we do tend to uh go in and sit down in the middle of circles and tell people you know 
how we don't think they're sitting in a circle properly. We tend to be that type of jerk. But uh, I know that's stereotyping and it's not giving us the the justice for the depth of of character we have. But we do get that. um, We do get that reputation in the professional world. And I think that leads to just really that need. And and I'm kind of wrapping up this segment here before we move on to uh, another question. Um, Thanks for telling me how segments work. (laughs) I appreciate it. Yeah, see, that proves the point exactly. All right, well, you know what? With that, I'm going to abandon that topic and I'm going to move on to the next question. So, I mean, we get the stereotype for a reason. It doesn't mean we're bad people. It doesn't mean we're always like, you know, the managers from Office Space, quoting a 18-year-old movie now. Um, okay, Chris, where do you go to get your professional and continuing education that's a great interview question. In fact, I use that one. Well, I use more of how do you stay up to date with current trends in the industry? Ah. Because, I, so. Wait, because I'm, I'm going to ask it back directly. How do you stay up to date <laughs> with current trends in the industry? And so the reason I ask this during interviews when I'm uh, interviewing someone is I think that there's two types of people in, in, in the industry I work in. They're the people that come in, do the work and go home. And there's the people that are dabbling around with this at home before they get to work, they come to work and maybe they play around with a new language or tool or raspberry Pi or something. And they, they're just super into this and that's how they spend their weekends and nights. And the reason that's important is one, I think it makes them a better employee, but, but two, it, it means they have so much interest in this field and this profession than beyond right. I get a paycheck. Yeah. So usually, uh, well, my answer to that is a, a large number of ways, uh, besides listening to RS, uh, reading RSS feeds, um, and blog posts from, like people at Microsoft, people at Google, uh, people on the Angular team, .NET team, ASP team, uh, people at like Facebook, uh, doing some stuff on Stack Overflow, looking at questions, trying to respond to some of them. Um, I also follow some open source projects on GitHub, try to look at what's going on with those. Uh, I listen to podcasts while I drive into work, uh, usually uh, .NET Rocks or a number of other uh technical blogs, uh, podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a study group right now with some coworkers trying to study for uh, Microsoft certification um, to get another one uh, on NBC this time. I'm kind of helping lead it because uh, it's stuff I already mostly know and I'm just filling in my gaps of knowledge to, to pass the test. And then um, I also try to go to conferences and um, network with people, learn new stuff. And I've done it once now. I'm, I plan on doing it again. I'm starting to try to speak more. Um, yeah. At, at, at local conferences like Bar Camp and Code Camp. But I also go to meetups occasionally like the .NET user group or the Azure uh, meetup or – uh, coding katas. There's some JavaScript meetups I go to. So try to get active in the community, try to get media, try to, you know, 
I, I, I'm one of those guys that hits it uh, across the board. And then I, um, I also have a number of programming projects I do on my own at I, home. I love uh, dabbling in different things. Um, <laughs> I love <laughs> the fact that you put speaking on there because as someone who's a speaker and a corporate trainer for a very small portion of the, I mean, we, we, we both do a lot of different things, but speaking, I think people sometimes, um, who, who don't speak or haven't convinced themselves that they know enough to like, everybody could become a speaker tomorrow. I really believe that, you know, enough about something, you're passionate about something, but you learn so much. Have you ever heard of rubber duck programming? I have not. No, I haven't. You should maybe Google this. So, um, just like the idea that if you can explain something to somebody, you you have a better understanding of it and you know it. There's times where you run into problems, and so you're debugging it and you can't figure it out. And you call someone over your desk, like, "Hey, man, can you look at this with me?" And you start explaining the situation. You're pointing at the screen and the code, and you blah 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 blah, and you go, "Oh." Never mind, I got it. Thanks, bye. Yeah. <laughs> so the idea behind that is to have a little rubby duck, little rubber ducky on your desk and tell it the problem. Huh. You know, I like that. <laughs> so this is from the Pragmatic Programmer. You know, I've always meant to read. I know that's a fairly popular book in those circles. And well, he we, just put a name to it because we've all had the thing where we're explaining the problem to someone and go, oh, never mind. Well, in, in corporate training, uh, you know, so most of my corporate training is in Microsoft Excel. And sure. that's probably why I sound so tired right now, because I've been talking about Excel a lot. And um, we do something similar, but different instructors call it different things. They may call it the hover method or the over the shoulder approach where someone's saying, you know, this is not working for me. They absolutely stop and they say, you know, I know you're telling me I see everybody clicking and doing it, but but it's not working for me. I, I'm doing something wrong or the computer's broken or right, whatever excuse we're going to come up with. Well, what it really is, is you just need somebody to stand there to hover over you while you do it to make you super self-conscious in the good way, not the bad way, super self-conscious about everything you're doing, clicking, you're thinking through the problem, and then boom, just like having a rubber ducky to talk to, problem solved. Mm-hmm. And then you'll swear up and down. Oh, I did it the exact same way. Up and down, you'll swear that, but... Just like we know from marketing, a lot of the people who respond to you on surveys or marketing are going to lie to you. They're not even going to know they're lying. But go ahead and ask me what I make a year on a survey and put a split point right near what I make. I don't know to the dollar. And I'm going to pick one or two based on my feeling of self-worth, my feeling of how much money I have. So if I'm really at the end of a pay cycle and I'm trying to save heavily and I'm broke, I'm going to pick that lower number even if it's wrong. And I'm never going to know that it was wrong. So, yeah, people sometimes need that approach. And I I, I love that you're uh, telling me how you refer to it in that field. Yeah. Rubber duck. Well, that that was just the term I had heard. You know, I read about it. And um, it happens all the time with developers. And I'm like, oh, rubber duck programming. They're like, what? Half the time, because a lot of them don't read. Uh, some of those books, um, right? They're maybe reading technical okay. manuals, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I even kind of branch out into other areas. Like a lot of my reading and focus has been very technical, but I'm getting to the point, and this is my arrogant speaking, where I go to some conferences or I go to some meetups, and I don't feel like I'm learning new things because a lot of those are for the community and so they're broad right, spectrum right, and so we have right. intros. Listen, it's okay to feel that way because we need to address that for the other people who, who recognize right. I don't think that's arrogance at all. I think that's when you know you've right. gotten what you can out of a situation. 
So I've gotten to that point, I think, in a lot of places where it's intro to this or right. intermediate that. Yeah. And and so I'm like, what do I do? I should I should share. I should present. I should try to distill some of this information down and explain it. It'll make me better for having a better conceptual grasp of it. Uh, and it'll just help help my career um, getting you know more active in the community. So that's kind of the path I'm starting to go down. Yeah. Um, at work, we organize code and beers and lunch and learns. So we try to organize, have people come and present at lunch or after work, have some beer and have, present. And that helps them as well, kind of like Toastmasters, because it gives them a chance to practice presenting in kind of a safe environment at work mm-hmm. uh, before they go out and present to a community. I like that. I like that safe space that you can that you can really uh, learn to thrive in. And practice. You'll have a chance to practice a presentation in front of people. But I I branch out is what I was saying. Like I'm interested in getting Scrum certified because I'm a developer usually in a Scrum process, an agile Scrum process at work. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times managers don't get the agile Scrum process. It's usually hard for people who haven't done it to come into it. And so that's where you see companies trying to do agile transformations. It's because the devs get it a lot of times and managers won't, and they need help breaking through that mindset. I mean, there are cases where some developers don't get it too, but once a lot of developers get it, they like it, it seems like. And I feel like with the training and the certifications, it gives you a better chance to speak to management. Like, look, I've been through the training. I have the certifications. This is the better way to do it. Or, or you know, you want to do it this way. Here's what we should do to keep doing it the right way. So since and, I'm... Yeah. Uh, not to interrupt, but since I'm being super transparent and a little bossy today and telling folks how transitions work, I think that's what we're going to jump into in the third segment, so let me give the pivot point here because how about you? How do you do continuing education? Well, and that's that's Before where want, you transition. Yeah, that's where I want to go. And I'm, what I was just going to say <laughs> is that I think you gave the entire list of of what I would say. I was going to boil it down to three B's: books, blogs, and business journals uh, for the business side. Right? If you're really looking yeah. for the authoritative, where do things come from? Books, blogs, including PR uh, blogs, and um, and business journals. But I was just trying to be clever and give three B's. I want to do something a little bit different. There's a story that I tell people and I'm going to I'm going to keep this super short because if anyone's ever heard me tell stories before, you know, they can go long. Um, But the importance of getting out and speaking, that is that's something that you and I love to do. Otherwise, we wouldn't do a podcast. You know, we do this for our own learning as much as for for, right and for any other reason any other it's not for money it's not for it's for the community it's for us learning whoa 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 there's money involved in this <laughs> you holding on on me buddy no i'm not holding there's no money right now trust me we'll talk about that off air We're, we've got some we've got some learning to do and some continuing education to implement um, all right lucy just making sure you got no splitting to do no no but this well unless you want to do like uh we can split a quarter from google adwords last quarter something like that I'd have to look cool. up what it is. But the the story I love to tell people just as a confidence booster and to let them know, yes, you can do this, is I want to I wanna tell how I got my start. What first made me realize, and this is back in high school, what first made me realize I don't just want to be on the receiving end of information. I wanted to deliver as well. So I really liked um, hanging out sort of um, during school with my chemistry instructor. 
He was getting his PhD, really fun guy. He's the type of guy you fall asleep on your desk and he's going to light some hydrogen next to you to have that big explosion and wake you up. So this guy, I really liked hanging out with him and I thought, you know, he would grade everything on a curve and I thought, I really want the best grade in here. I don't know why that came up as a challenge, but it did. And I said, what if I created study guides and I sold them? That's going to incentivize me to study the most, to study more than anyone else. So I go to him and I say, can I create study guides and sell them? He'd let us have a one-page cheat sheet. And I thought my angle was, I'll include that one-page cheat sheet and get it approved by him and market it by saying, this is the pre-approved cheat sheet, right? It's been inspected. (laughs) So he gives me the thumbs up and he says, you know, one more thing. He goes, you have to go to the main office and get it approved. So I go through that hurdle. I start selling these things $5 a pop. Of course, photocopiers exist. Someone else who's entrepreneurial gets an idea and he starts copying them and selling them for $2. But what happened was, and this is where it comes into education and speaking and learning. Mm -hmm. I busted that curve. I got a 90, I don't know, 90, let's call it a 96, 98, 94, somewhere in that area. So it set the curve to only a few points. The average with a very small deviation was somewhere down in the 50s or 60s. So it was so bad that the instructor actually had to take my scores out so that everybody else did not fail the test. That because they, they just assumed that they could just use the cheat sheet right, and not Right, and, and I sold that promise, and I got the approvals to sell that promise because I knew it would work in my advantage. Now, I wasn't trying to take advantage. I wanted people to pass. I knew they weren't going to do the work. So uh, there was some altruism in there as, as much as capitalism. It was, here's the cheat sheet. I want you to really have this when the time comes. But what I found and what I learned is that people didn't Silver take bullets. The, well, yeah, people didn't take the time to learn it on their own because they had outsourced that to me. And that's where it taught me that if you truly want to learn something, and everybody who sits in one of my corporate trainings, I may not tell this story exactly, but I'll let them know. One of the biggest things you can do is go and help a coworker after you've taken this class. You can go and answer one of your own questions rather than calling me. I'd love you to call me afterwards. Just call. Let's go hang out and I'll answer any questions you have. But it taught me so much about you have to get out there and be one of the people sharing what you already know or don't know in my case, learning it and then sharing it. So, ta-da, segment two done. <laughs> All right. Thanks again for explaining how segments work. All right, so to, to start wrapping this up, let's go a little bit personal here because I know that when when people are talking and um, they're, they're talking about what they're learning, you start getting questions about, well, what is it that you are learning? So, Chris... What is it that you're currently spending your free time, extra time, and CE time learning? Well, I'm currently reviewing the uh, ASP.NET MVC5 book and uh, materials for the Microsoft certification. And uh, last month, I went to uh, Orlando for Dev Intersections 2017, which is a... It's kind of like Microsoft Build South-ish, like a lot of the same guys from Visual Studio and ASP.NET and and Azure that were at Build uh, were there speaking. So Scott Guthrie, um, Scott Hanselman, we had some, uh, they also have angle brackets uh, there. So we had John Papa, uh, we had Shane Boyer, there were... A uh, bunch of SQL people. Um, Look at you name dropping all these fancy people in the field. Uh, I got to meet quite a few. Yeah, of them. you got to meet. Uh, there them. was some. I'd like to shake some of their hands and buy some of them a beer just to pick their brains. I got some pictures with some of them. Um, and 
That's like that's. I mean, that's almost going to like uh, being a groupie. Built. Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> no, I, 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 I follow their blogs. I oh, okay. Listen to them when they speak on podcasts. I I, I listen to their opinions on things. I'm so guess, yeah, a little bit. I'm going to guess you did absolutely no questioning on whether they'd want to come on our podcast or not. Um, I, I spoke to the .NET Rocks guys about uh, trying to help out with stuff in the future but um i did some i went to an architecture class uh talk i did some stuff on actors the actor model um, interesting yeah scott did the the keynote on like migration to the cloud there was a talk on azure stack um angular cli stuff with john papa which was really cool uh, a few things on docker asp core um Authorization and authentication, um, advanced topics in C sharp, which kind of disappointed me a little bit because it why uh, just the way he presented and a lot of the stuff he covered is from we're not giving good examples and we'd already seen in like blog posts floating around, so it it it. It was oh, a rehash of a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's it back to that. If, if you're coming in not having that exposure, it'd be really valuable. But for you, it was just kind of like, yeah, well, okay, I got this. Well, it was a very pale limitation of what has uh, already been out there. Oh, okay. So, so I'm critical of when I go to speaking engagements or conferences or, or meetups. And it's very obvious the person is basing all of their speech and presentation on like a tutorial website that they read and that's what i see a lot uh, and those are the presentations i dislike the most wow. where it's obvious they're just kind of rehashing someone else's information and they haven't played with it themselves they haven't done it themselves and they their whole experience is reading this article and making a presentation and so if you ask them anything off of the 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 path that they are presenting they go i don't know well one thing i'll say i want to interject there is sometimes um i'm not saying this happened in that particular situation but sometimes right. that happens because companies do put ce requirements on folks and they'll like i have one where i have to present um a session at at the university i teach at and it's kind of like well that's good but that's an artificial motivator and so now i'm i mean am i really going to give it my all as opposed to something i feel that i have to go out and speak about or am i just going to dial it in and I'm well, gonna... it's also, I think, a traffic grab. Yeah. Like, oh, this is a hot topic. I'll just right. make my own posts and copy, repaste. And, uh, but my my thing is, if you're going to present on it, at least, um, like, if you're going to present on new techniques coming out, maybe show the old techniques side by side with it and say, here's wh- how this is better. Here's how it's improved. Here's the motivation for why we we were wanting to make it better. The yeah. pain points, and here's how it's solved. Like something instead of, hey, this new feature's out. Look, it looks like this. Yeah. Like it's not the same. I mean, that's Uh, a lot that you're working on, though. How do you, how do you, is there something you're prioritizing or do you just kind of, is, is a lot of your free time just dedicated towards, all right, I just want to move forward in all of these areas? I just love learning everything. Well, because I I will say this. Because I stay on top of it. I'm on top of too much and I really should focus more, but I think I've reached a point in .NET where um, the, the effort to continuing uh, to stay on top of new stuff is is much much lower for me. Okay, that's um, what I wanted to I wanted to clarify because yeah, the more you know about a particular subject, the easier it is to catch up on a diverse area or a diverse uh, right. swath of of updates. 
And I would say the other advantage I have is I think I have a really good memory because I, I remind people of stuff a lot. Yes, you do. And <laughs> I was working with a coworker the other day and he's like, hey, I need your advice. I'm having this really hard problem. Like, I don't know how to do this one thing. And I went like X, Y, Z. And he's like, oh, yeah. Like, I'm like, it's built into the language. You're doing you know, too much to try to get around it. And there's it's already built in. As much as that sounds like. Okay, there's not enough specifics to get that. I know exactly what you're talking about because you've done that with me. I remember telling you I was having some weird problem. I was doing something stupid in CSS. I was trying to be too clever. And don't be clever in something like CSS because it's just too straightforward. And I was trying to be clever. And I said, I'm having this weird problem. And you said, oh, it's probably this. You didn't see the code, nothing. And I'm like, oh, huh, I'll go check it. And it was that. So you do have a good memory and you know the ins and outs of the things you've learned. And I'm good at visualizing abstract ideas. Yeah. So a lot of so, people can't – if you explain something to them, they need it drawn out or they need to see the code. Uh, I learned long ago the best way to debug code is to learn how to run it in your head. But but this – and so I'm going to take a – <laughs> Which means you have to keep registers and memory and kind of just run through something like, oh, I'm changing this value. I'm moving this. I'm putting it on – like if you, can't, if you can get really good at that, you can just kind of look at code and see stuff, what, what's happening without – running it sometimes but i'll take a quick detour and and that this under so anyone who's relating to what you're saying right now and what i'm what i'm confirming to be true about you this is why it's so important to get out in front of other people because think about where you're going to have a limitation and i mean you chris really you and the person who's identifying with you right now you're going to have a limitation and sometimes people will come up to you and you just oh, assumptions it's just like oh my I, how do i deal with this and and, and oh. it It'll evolve. How do I deal with somebody not remembering this? Then it'll become, how do I deal with this idiot Mm -hmm. or something negative? Then how do Mm -hmm. I deal with this complete ineptitude? Right. And Mm -hmm. some people we've met, it just, oh, it goes to a bad place quickly. And I think when you get out and you speak and you learn to interact, you understand why some people end up in these problems, how you can help them. And quite frankly, who you cannot help. That's important to learn, too. That's why I said you know, about I want to speak, this is probably going to be some arrogance. Like, yeah. I'm not getting anything from these people. I have an arrogance problem. I also have an assumption problem. Like, I assume people want to learn things like I want to learn things. And I assume that uh, when well, I lay out something very clearly in my mind, it's clear for right. others. And so, so, as an educator, I, as an educator of adults, I want to send you to one word to look up. And you already know <laughs> this word, but I want you to study it from an education point of view um, modality. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I started working on some blog posts to, um, do some Angular 4 tutorials. Um, and I had like one blog post that was like, oh, here's all the prereqs, go install them and do the thing. And now I looked at it and was like, all right, this first paragraph, let me turn it into two blog posts. Right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's frustrating, but then you send it to someone like me who's trying to learn so that I can work with people. I'm not the one doing it. And I read your first paragraph that says, okay, just do this thing. And I'm like, wait a second, that's three days of learning for me just to do that. So, yeah, that, that, that's where yeah. the assumption part comes in. So, so let's, I'm working on it. <laughs> I want to wrap up here. So let me just drop these. I want to let people know what I'm working on as well. Uh, at my university, I'm a, an, in a leadership program just starting. I've done one phase of the leadership pro- or two phases of it. This is the third and final phase. And um, it's kind of a neat idea. I love what my university is doing with this. It's we're taking people and saying, how do we get high level functioning leaders, even if you're not in necessarily an executive or leadership role and starting to trust people to do human centered design, 
and vertical development, those two things are putting them together and saying, how do we empower people to make a real difference? So I love that. That's one place I'm spending some time these days. I'm still doing my corporate trainings and I learn from those, of course, but I'm doing so many of them in Excel right now for a reason. And that reason is because I'm taking the step to author my own Excel curriculum. Uh, that is a big step. I think you learn so much more. There are things that I'll go and I'll write on, you know, Excel basic something and I want to explain how something works. And all of a sudden something clicks and here's here's a new feature that, you know, I've been using Excel for how long and been teaching it for seven years and I never connected these two things together. So I'm authoring some curriculum and then some jerk. I don't know what jerk. Chris, maybe you can help me with this. Uh, because I said, I told my employer and I told you and everyone uh, else that I work with, I said, you know, I feel like I'm not functionally literate for the 21st century because I suck at programming. And because of that, some jerk told you, me. Hey, the first step to having a problem is admitting you have ad- a problem. Admitting, yeah. <laughs> um, somebody. Uh, it took years to get you to that point. It did. By the way. I, I, I can vouch for that as well. I'm <laughs> that stubborn type A personality. Well, some guy, I don't know who, <clears throat> you, uh, yeah. told me that I needed to see a, um, a session that Corey House, great corporate trainer, by the way, great trainer in technology, that he did on Pluralsight, with a JavaScript development environment because I'm not a JavaScript developer. I can dabble in some old, old, old JavaScript. You hate all front-end development these days. You're like, PHP for the win. I no, hate okay, all so this well, First of all, that's, that's server sign. But, right, you hate all the newfangled stuff. No, so I had going in a bias against CLI. I had a bias against command line. I'm like, why am I going back to being eight years old and working with DOS? And... Um, it, Go Linux. I still have some of those hangups with people who absolutely, I get the speed, right? You can put some tooling in and you get some speed. But I think it's, I do think there's still some hipsterism in it. But this was a, what, five-hour, 20-minute course. You said you've got to go over to Pluralsight. You've got to get on this thing. You've got to do this. Not because you're a JavaScript developer. Not because, but because of what you'll learn and the way that Corey teaches. And um, that was probably... You know how online sessions are. I, I teach them. I write them. Uh, five hours and 20 minutes quickly becomes about, uh, realistically, about 15 to 20 hours worth of work because you're learning other things and you're going at your own pace. And so that was probably the best half a week I've spent um, in quite a while. It got me over a few um, a few hangups taught me things I didn't even know I needed to learn and now I can take them if I do some you know little scripting in PHP or something or if I'm working in Excel on a on a VBA script I can take that and I can apply almost everything I learned to those domains as well that's good I didn't realize uh, it taking half a week well (laughs) so I mean how many hours a day you probably sat down and looked at that and said, okay, five hours. I'll put it on two times playback and I'll be done in two and a half. And for me, actually, I did it at one and a half playback. The two X playback was a lot. Uh, some fun. of the technical stuff, I can't, um, like the typing all the things to follow along is a little harder at yeah. 2X than 1.5X. Yeah. So, and I did the same thing. I kept it between 1.2 and 1.8, but. Um, there were a few things that had, having not worked with some of those tools before, not right, being a command right. line guy, um, I did really have to stop and go down rabbit holes of, okay, what's happening here? What's happening in the black box so that I understand what I'm doing? And I'm not just blindly you know, copying and pasting code. 
But it was eye-opening for you, wasn't it, for the front-end yeah, development re- stuff? ridiculously so, and it's one of those things that underscores everything we're talking about. You have to get out, talk to people, whether you're on the delivering end, the receiving end. I never would have known to go and look at that course. Of all, you know, I, I love going into these online courses. That's why I just try to stay active on almost any service you can imagine to, um, uh, to get these courses, but I never would have gone into that one. And it was only through word of mouth from you that I heard about it. So I, I think, one, we all, we all have to keep learning, whether we like it or not. Most of us like it. But two, you can't learn in isolation just like you can't work in isolation. And so speaking, going to I, – I've done Excel training for seven years, and I still like to stop by and listen to someone else train in that program from time to time. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, so that's all I've got. Anything else from you? Uh, not at the moment. All right, so uh, that sounds like we're both uh, saying, okay, I've got to get back to my learning. Oh, go watch Wonder Woman. It was great. It was good? It was great. It's on my <laughs> list. I've still got to get the Guardians of the Galaxy and Pirates 5. Um, yes, Guardians. Um, and then soon is going to be the new Spider-Man and Valerian. Valerian's going to be great. Yeah. Huh. Valerian I think, I think the so. Sea of a thousand planets. I think it'll be good. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Chris. We'll wrap this episode up since I'm still telling how how production works on the back end. And uh, talk to you next time. <laughs> talk to you later. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.